Christian Heritage Ministry, in cooperation with Fuller Seminary, proudly presents the Old Fashioned Revival Hour, a broadcast of the Gospel with Dr. Charles E. Cole. Spirit of holiness on us descend. 
first time, be sure and turn around and give as many as possible a good handshake. Everybody ready now? All together on Heavenly Sunshine. Heavenly Sunshine. Turn right around give everybody a good servicemen down here, and there's a great number here in the auditorium today. Come on, sing Heavenly Sunshine for me. We'll see if we can build it up on the air, will you? I'll help you. All right. Just the servicemen now, and I'll tell you the rest of you, hum in the background. All right. Fine. Wonderful. a good hand. I think that's fine. Wonderful. We're happy to have you with it. Now everyone, really lift it up on Heavenly Sunshine. Glad to see so many here at the visible audience in Long Beach, California. We're endeavoring at this end to be faithful in sending this gospel message out to you from week to week, and we know that you, through prayer and standing by, will be faithful, enabling us to continue. Oh. 
and he commands Ceylon, Ceylon. Far, far from shore and weary worn, the sky or cast thy canvas torn, Argea voices to thee born, Ceylon, 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 Ceylon. The storms will soon be past, the darkness will not always last. Ceylon, 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 Ceylon. God lives, and He commands Ceylon, Ceylon, Ceylon. And now, Mrs. Fuller with the letters. Go right ahead, honey. Greetings, friends. I have some good letters for you today. Dear Reverend Fuller, maybe you would be surprised to get a letter from an old man in West Central Alabama, way back in the sand hills, where you hear the whippoorwills holler. I like to hear you every Sunday afternoon, and your sermons mean a lot to me. You are good to come over here and preach to us every week. And then here is a letter from Pennsylvania from a young pastor, 22 years old. Dear Dr. Fuller, today in your prayer on the old-fashioned revival hour, you prayed particularly for pastors in the small churches in out-of-the-way places. I am one of those pastors having three small country churches. This afternoon, when I turned on your broadcast, I was feeling discouraged and very much alone. But your prayer touched my heart just when I needed it. And I believe that it was answered, for I have returned from one of the best evening services that we have ever had. A young preacher has many discouraging moments, especially when overwhelmed by the work of three churches. It is not unusual to have 13 or 14 different services in one week. So when I get a chance to listen to the old-fashioned revival hour, I always find it spiritually stimulating. I want you to know that your broadcast is not only reaching the unsaved, but it is also encouraging to those engaged in the work of the Lord. That's a good letter, isn't it? It's a beautiful letter, the last one. Dear sir, I'm sure when you read this letter that you will understand why I wrote to you last Thursday. I tuned in as usual to your broadcast, and it met the great need of my heart. My husband, who has been off work since October the 11th with cardiac thrombosis, had had one of his very bad days. My little girl was fevered and tossing with tonsillitis. My oldest boy, age 19, had written to tell me that he was coming home on embarkation leave and would then be leaving for Malaya. My coal bill was unpaid and I was told that I was to get no more coal for heat until it was paid, and the cold is bitter here. I was very tired and weary from lack of sleep. My heart was heavy. In fact, my load seemed almost too heavy to carry. And then, as I said, I turned into your revival hour as I always do. You introduced your son, Danny, to us, and I could not but hear the love and pride in your voice. Danny's prayer just warmed my heart. And then you all sang, I need thee every hour. I need thee, oh, I need thee. 
And when it came to the chorus, in my trouble I sang with you, though my voice shook. And then the floodgates opened, and oh, the blessed relief of those tears. And after a while God spoke, and I felt better, and I began to take heart and to think things through like this. I still had my husband with me, thank God. My little girl would, God willing, perhaps be better tomorrow. I would at least have my son at home for 21 days. And if it was God's will, he would be as safe in Malaya as anywhere. I decided to ask the coal firm to accept a weekly payment and clear my bill, and perhaps I could manage to buy my little girl a new pair of boots or shoes by the time that she was ready to go back to school. And you know, things suddenly seemed much brighter, and I didn't feel so weighed down with worry. Now, Mr. Fuller, I am quite convinced that when things seemed so dark, when things did seem so dark that night, that God himself used you and your son to speak to me from so far away, and the music reached my heart, too, and was a blessing. It was all as plain as though God himself had spoken and said, Take cheer. Things could be much worse, my child. And I did. And therefore I shall always remember that night when God met my need, and I shall always feel real affection and gratitude to you, Mr. Fuller. And if things are difficult at times, as I know they will be, with my husband unable to work, it will help me greatly to know that friends in America will pray for me. God bless you. Isn't that blessing? That's all for the day, friends.
Gracious Heavenly Father, when we read in thy word, especially the 11th of Hebrews, how thy own suffered, going through trials and tribulations, even unto martyrdom, and yet we think that our burdens are sometimes heavy, and Paul looked back upon his and said these light afflictions are working for us a far more than exceeding an eternal weight of glory, and so enable us to be patient. And to really occupy till Jesus comes and to see things through thine eyes, 
and see eternal things be beside every family and those that are especially going through deep waters, all kinds of trouble, we pray that thou wilt put thy hand of peace and rest upon the fevered brow, that they may walk with thee through the shadow, for thou art with them. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Listening to the Old Fashioned Revival Hour with Dr. Charles E. Fuller. His message today is titled, Grieve Not the Holy Spirit. Open your Bibles to the book of Ephesians, chapter 2, verse 19, as we rejoin the broadcast. I'll provide additional information after Dr. Fuller's message. There's a 
take your Bibles and turn to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, verse 30. Be speaking on, Grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. And I just felt led to ask the quartet to sing one verse before I speak of, This world is not my home. This world is not my home, I'm just a passing through. My treasures are laid off somewhere beyond the blue. The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, oh, Lord I've no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Oh Lord, oh, Lord, oh, Lord I have no friend like you. If heaven's not my home, then Lord, what will I do? The angels beckon me from heaven's open door, and I can't feel at home in this world anymore. Thank you, fellas. Your Bible's turned to the fourth chapter of Ephesians, verse 30. Bear in mind, just by the way of review, that in chapters 1 to 3 of this Ephesian epistle, we find the doctrinal teaching concerning the true church, the body of Christ. And then in chapters 4 to 6, the Holy Spirit reveals how the members of the body of Christ are to act or to walk pleasing unto the Lord in this present evil world system on their wilderness journey from earth to heaven. And so we read in chapter 4, verse 1, I beseech you that ye walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. And from chapter 4, 1 to 6, 9, we find a sevenfold walk, sevenfold instructions on how to walk worthy. We walk worthy by walking in unity, chapter 4, 2 to 6 or 2 to 16, and then from 17 to 30, we walk worthy by walking in holiness, and then in chapter 431 to 52, we walk worthy by walking in love, and then from 53 to 14, we walk worthy by walking in the light, and then in the 15th to the 17th verses of the 5th chapter, to walk in wisdom, walk circumspectly, and then from 5.18 to 20, to walk in praise, singing all the day long and making melody in your heart to the Lord. What a wonderful thing that is. And then from chapter 5.21 to 6.9, walking worthy by walking in all of your human relationships, pleasing unto God as husband and wife, parents and children, master and servant, or employer and employee, whatever phase of your life in, with human relationships, to walk worthy and pleasing, walk in harmony. 
And then the last part of the sixth chapter, the believer's warfare. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in heavenly places. Now, we as believers are in this world, but not of the world, and our citizenship is in heaven. But while we're here on earth, I don't know how it is with you, but it's a constant warfare as far as I'm concerned. There's no truce, no such thing as relaxing. It's a fight of faith. Paul says to fight the good fight of faith. We're called upon to be good soldiers and to endure hardness and to occupy it until Jesus comes and there'll not be any rest in that warfare until God takes you home. So, cheer up. The best is yet to come. We're going to be at home someday with the Lord, so be patient under the coming of the Lord. Now, for a few brief minutes today, may we consider the fourth chapter of Ephesians, verse 30. This is the climaxing verse of the second section of our sevenfold walk found in Ephesians 4, 17 to 30. In this section, we are exhorted to walk worthy by walking in holiness. And the climax is, And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. That's God's word. I didn't say that. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God. Notice now, whereby ye are sealed. Some of you are saying, I wonder if that seal really means what it says. Are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let it sink in. I'm not going to make any comment right now on that. In the first portion of this section, we are instructed not to walk as the unsaved walk, with our minds darkened, and in some cases past feeling, and given over to uncleanness. But we are told to put off the old man, according to verse 22, that he put off concerning the former conversation or manner of life, the old man which is corrupt, according to deceitful lusts, and then be renewed in the spirit of our mind, having put on the new man, verse 24, and that you put on the new man, which after God is created in righteousness and through holiness. Now as new creations in Christ, there's work to be done, for faith without works is dead. We're to put away, as new creations, we're to put away lying, selfish, hurtful anger, stealing and corrupt, lewd, vile communication. For these things grieve the Holy Spirit. Now, it's especially at this point, when we mention the Holy Spirit, do we need to have a good background, a good foundation? And I want to especially instruct the new converts, the newly born babes in Christ, just briefly now, along this line. 
In your unconverted days, you are dead in trespasses and sin. That is, spiritually separated from God. You heard the good news of salvation, the gospel which is the power of God unto salvation. And you believe, receiving Christ as your personal Savior. For he that heareth my word and believeth on him that sent me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. Now, in your unconverted state, you are completely devoid of the Holy Spirit. You received not the things of the Spirit. In fact, spiritual matters appeared in your own eyes as so much foolishness. But upon being reconciled to God and made nigh by the blood of Christ, the Holy Spirit, not it or some influence, but the third person of the Trinity, now follow me, took up his abode in your heart. And according to 1 Corinthians 6.19, he says, Know ye not that your body, with your heart cleansed and sins forgiven, became the temple or dwelling place of the Holy Spirit? Once you were blind, spiritually blinded, now you see the blind that Satan has down over your eyes has been taken away. And the old things, the old life, or love for the things of the old life, have passed away. And all things have become new. And strange that the things that you once hated, you now love. And the things that you once loved, you now hate. And you begin to love the brethren. You begin to long for the fellowship of the saints. You love to read God's word. You love to pray. You love to sing the songs of the faith. And these songs that are so popular in the world that you used to love seem so much trash and chaff, absolutely amounting to nothing. And now there's a deep desire as a child of God, I'm speaking especially to the new converts, to walk worthy to walk pleasing in God's sight. And as a climax, God interjects this verse there in that second section, walking according to holiness. Grieve not the Holy Spirit. Grieve not the Holy Spirit, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Grieve not this holy guest who has taken up his abode in your blood-washed, cleansed heart. And as we yield to him and are led by him, it's wonderful how the Holy Spirit reveals spiritual things unto us. He becomes our teacher, taking the things of Christ and revealing them unto us and to guide us into all truth and giving us wisdom on our pilgrim journey, on our daily path. Now, there are types of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament, especially the pillar of cloud by day and the pillar of fire by night. 
that the children of Israel had on their wilderness journey. Listen, God says, I'll be a sun and shield to you. And when that pillar of cloud rested, the children of Israel rested, and that pillar of cloud kept the fiery, burning darts of the burning desert sun from striking the camp. And so to us who are in Christ and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us, we have a shield, a personage indwelling us that takes the fiery darts as our substitute. Oh, it's wonderful to have a shield. And as the pillar of cloud by night lighted the path of the children of Israel and gave them light upon their pilgrim journey, so God's Word, as applied by the Holy Spirit, gives us light upon the path, and the path of the just shines brighter and brighter under the perfect day. Now listen. We as believers, we grieve the Holy Spirit by corrupt words, by evil speaking, by gossiping, by backbiting, by an unforgiven spirit, by falsely accusing, by lying, by the hardness of our own hearts, by ingratitude for all the tender mercies, by not being thankful. Let me just read to you in the 17th of Luke. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten that were lepers which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on on us. And when he saw them, he said unto them, Go show yourselves unto the priest. And it came to pass, As they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. He was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? The psalmist of old caught this vision. I love to read it in the 103rd Psalm. Takes us to task. He says, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and all that is within me. Bless His holy name. Ingratitude grieves the Holy Spirit. Now notice. Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all His benefits. Who forgiveth all thine iniquities, who healeth all thy diseases, who redeemeth thy life from destruction, who crowneth thee with loving kindness and tender mercies, who satisfies thy mouth with good things, so that thy youth is renewed like unto the eagle. We're so apt to forget what God has done and is doing for us, setting a table before us daily, loading it with spiritual things. You take the children of Israel back in the Old Testament days, right after their marvelous deliverance from the experience of crossing the Red Sea, they were led to the bitter waters of Marah. And we're told in the 50th chapter, right after that marvelous deliverance, that they began to murmur and to complain. 16th chapter again, they murmured 
And in the 17th chapter, they murmured and complained. And all along the line, they murmured and complained until God finally said, This generation or these people will not enter in. Only their sons and daughters will enter in under the leadership of Joshua. Oh, listen. Paul said, I have learned that whatsoever state I am, therewith to be content, not keep up with the Joneses. For contentment with godliness is great gain. And I often think about Paul and Silas in the 16th chapter of Acts, thrown into prison, and how at midnight, according to the 25th verse of the 16th chapter, instead of complaining and murmuring and whining, and trying to contact the district attorney and pull some wires to get out. At midnight, Paul and Silas prayed and sang praises unto God in the midnight hour. And all that is one way not to grieve of the Holy Spirit. And listen, I want to say this, and I must hasten. When we do grieve the Holy Spirit, then there's not one of us but what is guilty. It not, does not necessarily mean that we are permanently lost. Listen, the son, the prodigal son, through his own selfish desires, through his own covetousness, said, give me the portion of my inheritance. And he took his portion and went out into a far country. He was a son out in the far country, but he was a son lost to fellowship, not lost to relationship. And if you grieve the Holy Spirit, it does not mean that you've lost your sonship, but you have lost the joys of fellowship. And finally, the prodigal son came to himself, came to his uh, right down where he lives, and he said, I will arise and go to my father. And when the father saw him afar off, he ran and fell on his neck and had compassion upon him and said, Come, let us be merry. There couldn't be any merriment or joy or happiness until the child or the son was restored to fellowship. But wait, I must hasten to this one point. The father and son relationship never changes. It cannot be broken. Ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. I know some of you won't agree with me, but that's what God's Word says. And that settles it for me. And the day of redemption is just ahead. And the bo this body of our humiliation will be fashioned like unto His glorious body. But we come back, once we have grieved the Holy Spirit, we come back through confession of sin and obedience to God's Word. Now, to you who are unsaved, the Holy Spirit is here. He's in the world. He came at Pentecost. And by your resisting the Word, becoming hardened, I say on the authority of God's Word, my Spirit will not always strive with man. And as you said under the preaching of God's Word, and the invitation to accept Christ as your personal Savior, and you reject Him, you become harder and hardened. And finally, if you keep on resisting, 
you'll come to a place where you're past feeling without hope, a sin unto death, and we'll not even pray for you. This thing is serious. It's a serious thing to sit under the preaching of the word and leave this visible auditorium or leave your radio resisting the calling of the Holy Spirit. Or you'll come to a place on the authority of God's word where you'll be completely past feeling with your conscience and no hope of redemption. God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. If there's the slightest pull towards God, don't grieve the Holy Spirit, but calm. For if we sin willfully after we have had the knowledge of truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sin. God says, come now, let us reason together and say, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, and save me for Christ's sake. While our heads are bowed in this splendid visible audience in Long Beach, how many will quickly put their hands up and say, pray for me, I need Christ as my personal Savior today. Please pray for me. God bless you. Put your hand up and say, pray for me. If the Holy Spirit is speaking to you, come now. God bless you back there. Anyone else on the lower floor? As God is speaking to you. Over on the right, God bless you. Up in the balconies to my right. God bless you. God bless you. The balconies to the rear. Anyone there? Yes, God bless you. The balconies to the left. But you, God bless you. God bless you over there. Any place, anywhere. In this auditorium, put your hand up and say, pray for me. I need, God bless you, I need Christ as my personal Savior. Remember me in prayer. Is there another, just before we bring the old-fashioned revival hour to a close, we'll have a short altar service where the personal workers will be glad to deal with those who have raised their hand for prayer. Continue in prayer. This is Charles E. Fuller bidding you goodbye and God's richest blessing upon you.